When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going, but there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S.com. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. What I love about Shopify is basically how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. I know we use Shopify here at Betches, and honestly, anyone with any kind of business could really benefit from Shopify. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklyn, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash betches, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash betches now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash betches. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey, the podcast where we cover all the pop culture we love to hate, from the classic reality TV moments of the past and present to the latest Daily Mail headlines and everything in between. We'll dive into all the infamous and notorious messes you can't stop watching. I'm looking at you, Jax Taylor. I'm your host, Ryan Bailey. Since we here, so 
only right that we be fair. Psycho, I'm liable to go Michael. Take your pick, Jackson, Tyson, Jordan, game six. Walls so hard, got a broke clock. Rollies that don't tick tock. All the Mars that's losing time. Hitting behind all these big rocks. Walls so hard, I'm shocked too. I'm supposed to be locked up too. You escape, but I escape. You being past getting fucked up too. Walls so hard, let's get faded. So my sick gays, walls so her bitch behave. Just might let you meet gay. Shot towns, D Rose, moving the next BK. Walls so her motherfuckers wanna find me. That shit cray. That shit cray. That shit cray. Walls so her motherfuckers wanna find me. That shit cray. That shit cray. That shit cray. She said, yeah, can we get married at the mile? I said, look, you need to cry for your ball. Come and meet me in the bathroom style. And show me why you deserve to have it all. Ball so hard. That she crank. That she crank. Ain't it Jay? Ball so hard. What she order? What she order? Fish filet. Ball so hard. Your whip so cold. Whip so cold. This whole thing. Ball so hard. Like you ever be around motherfuckers like this again? Bougie girl, grab her hand. Fuck that bitch, she don't wanna dance. She's my friends, but I'm in France. <laughs> I'm just saying, Prince Williams ain't do it right if you ask me. Cause I was him, I would've married Was Gucci my nigga? Was Louis my killer? Was drugs my dealer? What's that jacket, Marjilla? Doctors say I'm the illest, cause I'm suffering from realness. Got my niggas in Paris, and they going gorillas, huh? That is a jam and a half. If that that is a, as the as the kids like to say, that's a vibe. That is a vibe. You you put a little tame Impala with Jay Z and Kanye. Are you kidding me? What's up, folks? This is so bad it's good with Ryan Bailey. I am Ryan Bailey. It is Tuesday. We've already made it to. Uh, let's do the math here. Carry the what twenty percent of the week is already done. We've got that in the bag. I have just spent the last three hours in a prison uh, called uh, ABC's The Bachelorette. (sighs) You guys, what are we doing with our lives? My God, we could have... I figure I think I could make that an hour long. I really do. I feel like somebody's making them stretch this out to sell commercial time. Um, What did you guys think? That great... So me and Sophie Ross, we do that pop culture roundup on Mondays. And we, of course, went off on Greg. And I had my friend Lindsay texted me today. And I was so bummed because she was like... She was for Greg. And if you guys don't know what I'm talking about, there is this gaslighting douchebag that left the show last week, Greg Grippo. And tonight was the final. And and spoiler alert, if you... I'm not going to say what happened tonight, but let's just say everybody's everybody goes home a winner except for us the audience um so she said she believes him and i'm like are this guy 
it's so obvious to me. And then it came out that he went to uh, Bill William Esper Acting Studio, which does this technique that I studied for a long time called the Meisner Technique, based on this gentleman named Sanford Meisner. And what it is, basically, you guys, this is so great. It's when you, you, would, you would do these Meisner exercises, and you would sit across from your partner, and you would go, hello? And the other guy would go, hello? And then you'd go, hello? And he would go, hello. And you would go, hello. And he would go, hello. And you go, hello. And like, it's supposed to like, you're supposed to like, and eventually what happens if you're, you know, a bunch of bad actors young, you just end up screaming at each other where you're like, hello. Um, But, uh, or you would do these things called Meisner activities where you would give yourself like uh, business to do. So like, say, I remember one of mine in college was uh, I was counting pennies. <laughs> that sounds, <laughs> I was counting pennies. Uh, trigger what I was counting pennies because my girlfriend, this is all acting. My girlfriend had to get, uh, 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 you know, ha- ha- was pregnant and wanted to get a surgery to remove the pregnancy. And I was counting pennies to afford that surgery. So you would give yourself this really intense, the teacher would give you this really intense thing to go through. So you have to count these pennies because it's like a really big deal. And then the other actor would walk in and they would try to talk with you. And you'd be like trying to keep up with the talking and the counting. And it's supposed to create this really dramatic Guys, as I'm saying this, I'm like, why did I go to so much drama school? Like, I I realize now how completely ridiculous most of my life has been. Like, guys, you know how serious we took that stuff in college? Like, we were artistes. Anyways, Greg went to a school that did stuff like that. I just, for me, this is so cut and dry. So it's so weird to see people stand up for this guy. I just don't buy it at all. Um, And he... What did he, he was saying tonight when he was like, well, I'm sorry you feel that way. Well, I, I hope I wish the best for you in life. And it's like, come on, dude. That's so I, I feel so many guys pull that shit. I mean, girls, too. I, I don't want to leave. Girls aren't perfect, but, you know, I mean, better than most guys. No offense to all the guys listening. What's up, man? We're number one. Anyways, I I I'm just glad it's over at the end of these. You're just like, oh. Was it worth it? Was it worth it? And guys, Bachelor in Paradise starts next Monday with David Spade as one of the hosts. They showed an extra long preview and a lot of girls crying, fighting, kissing, uh, sexy time, a lot of stuff on sand and the ocean. You can't go wrong with that stuff. So, of course, I'll be watching and complaining about that as well. How are you guys? How was Monday? Was it a tough day? What a weird day, guys. I put the podcast to bed around... I got to like 1 a.m. and then I couldn't fall asleep. I watched White Lotus, loved it again on HBO Max, then couldn't fall asleep, fall, fell asleep around 3. I had to coach a client, an acting client at 10 a.m. and finally fell asleep, but I slept through like that client for like the first 20 minutes, which sucks because she had a big movie audition, but we got it. We got it done and all that stuff, but I woke up and in that panic and just immediately went into coaching without any kind of coffee. That's the kind of professional I am. So the day started off bad you know when you're already starting off you're like i'm supposed to i've i was planning on being up at 8 30 and then i'm I'm, (laughs) and i'm like mom why didn't you wake me up mom because of course i'm still at bill and becky (laughs) mom why didn't you wake me up this is a very serious thing that i'm trying to do and you didn't even wake me up how i can't deal with this mom i should live by myself 
no, I'm going back to LA tomorrow. You guys don't worry. But I, I, I was like, mom, I told you to wake me up. She's like, oh, I thought that was Sunday. You had told me. So it's, it's all good. It's fine. Everything, it worked out. But I'm just mad because I had to watch this three-hour show and, and get this. So I'm just so today's guest, uh, you're gonna love her. Her name is Winter Mitchell, W-Y-N-T-E-R. Uh, you might know her from Twitter or the excellent podcast she's a part of, but she's also just a pop culture genius, a savant, if you will. Um, she was awesome, and she was one of those people that I've just admired from afar for so long. And I finally got the courage to ask her. And so this was a real treat for me. And I think we really hit it off. And I hope to have her back on. And I hope to be on hers. And, you know, you just meet some really cool people, which I believe she really is one of those. Uh, and just you geek out on that stuff, you guys, because, I, you know, it's like we all know, like, why do why are why are we attracted to all this stuff? Why do we remember all of these facts about MTV and VH1 reality shows. Why do we, why can we tell you all of these little, and it's so nice to be able to speak the same language with somebody else where you're like, you're throwing off like MTV references. They're picking them up. They're throwing you references. You're picking them up. It's, I, I, I was a happy geek and I can't wait for you guys to hear it because it's not just about reality shows. This is about all of pop culture. We get into streaming services uh, we get into the 40th anniversary of MTV. Uh, there's just a lot of stuff we cover, and I just I could have kept going. I really I just had the best time. I would I was going to do my She's All That preview review and tell you my favorite scene of She's All That, the old uh, She's All That, but I'm gonna have to move that because I have to. <laughs> so my plane, you guys, takes off at 9 a 9:05 a.m. Right, and my dad's going to take me to the airport. Okay, so right now it is 11.13 p.m. Guess what time my dad's taking to meet you guys? Guess what? 5.30 a.m. 5.30 a.m. I'm probably 40 minutes from the airport. That's, you know, that's generous. Probably more like 35 at that time. 5.30 a.m. I'm going to be at the airport solid three hours. Just twiddling my thumbs with bad Wi-Fi, with less than five hours of sleep. And guys, I told you that's exactly how I came here on third, like uh, on Thursday, I got or Friday when I got here, I had very little sleep. You guys, I don't do well with sleep. It's just, it's like a sledgehammers in my brain all day. Like I can function, but just barely. So I'm not going to do my she's all that. I'm going to just do a couple quick news stories. We're going to get to winter. This will still end up being an hour and 40 minutes, but whatever. I love you guys so much. I... You guys are awesome, man. I I was I was telling uh, I did a Patreon uh, Patreon with Medita Lopez. We do a thing called shooting the shit where we just talk as two friends. We never really have a plan. We just see where it goes. And we did like an hour and forty minute one today. But I was telling I was telling you guys I got this email at like three a.m. yesterday um, from a listener. And let's see if I can find. I'm not gonna read it because I, I haven't asked her if I can. So what's her name here? Uh, da, 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 you guys. Oh, by the way, there's a listener, Sheridan, too. Sheridan sent me an amazing email. But this Sheridan, I did that Bull and Branch commercial a couple weeks ago. She said she bought $1,000 in sheet with my offer code. I was like, Sheridan, oh my God. That's amazing. Like, I'm, I was so blown away. So, Sheridan, thank you so, so much. I mean, that's huge. Um, oh, Meg, uh, yeah, Megan Rawlings sent me this at 1.30 a.m. And she sent me this really beautiful um, email of uh, just saying really nice things. And I had just, 
I had just finished the podcast, and at the end of yesterday's podcast, I did a tribute to my my buddy's dad, who I was at his memorial service uh, this week. And I just thought, I was like, man, who? how did I get so lucky to have so many people all of a sudden be nice to me and say nice things to me? Like, this was, like, that's a dream. Like, I had dreams like that where I would just sit in a bar and, like, wonder, I was like, when are people going to be nice to me? And it feels like it's happening, but I was just like, Dude, do I deserve it? That's wild. So thank you, Megan, and thank you, Sheridan, and thank you to everybody listening. Okay, I know you guys might not like when I get sappy, so I'm going to stop. But what a cool thing. Um, where was I? Okay, dad, airport, check, guest, check. Oh, okay. The Bachelorette. Uh, oh, that's what I wanted to say. That Jay-Z and Kanye song, which, of course, is called N, the N-word in Paris, you know? And it's just an amazing song itself. When you put the Tame Impala beat behind it, it make it's just it's a vibe. It, like it is, really is a vibe. I hate myself when I say that. But I went and saw with my buddy Nick Wagner back in the day when Jay Z and Kanye had their Watch the Throne album. They did a concert at the Staples Center, and it was like they did. So they closed the whole show with that song. So they play it once. And everybody goes wild. And they're like, we like that so much, we're doing it again. And then they played the song again. And we're like, how did we get so lucky? This is amazing. And like, we didn't know the people around us and we were all just dancing with each other and just going off. And it was around like December. It was around holiday time. And I remember talking to Nick, I was like, this is the best Christmas present ever. They did the song again, three times in a row. Did the song again four times in a row. Guess what? Did the song again five times in a row. And you think I'm shitting you guys. I'm not joking. They did that song 16 times. And it, it, they did that song so many times where it got kind of like scary. <laughs> and I was like, eventually we got to get home. And then it was like, God, then I got, we all got, got angry and we're like, come on, man. And then it got cool again. Then you're like, yeah. And then they're doing it again. I was like, how long could this? We're going to live forever. We were just screaming. And that's what the live music experience is all about. Those moments that you can't put on uh, CD or vinyl or streaming. Those. That's why we've got to be really safe right now and try to um, just try to pull together to make sure we can have those magical moments again. Because I have a brain full of magical moments and I want to have another brain full of them to, to, uh, to think about for the rest of my life. So I'm really hoping that uh, everything works out and everybody's being safe. On that note, we did get official word is exactly what I said yesterday on the podcast that unfortunately BravoCon 2021 has been canceled. Uh, the official Bravo statement uh, was, and I, I, I think they completely made the right decision. What a tough decision I, they had to make. But once they canceled New Orleans Jazz Fest, I was like, okay, that's an outdoor thing in New, uh, October. This is an indoor thing in October, and New York's a much... Uh, more compact city. Uh, they said, out of an abundance of caution, we are postponing BravoCon 2021 until next year. So, you know, uh, I'm going to save a lot of money. I'm not going to meet a lot of you guys. I am working on Buca de Beppo Con still. That's going to be much easier to plan, but we're still going to have to deal with COVID, but it's going to be much easier to plan once we get the go ahead. And we were very, like, we were very close to nailing it down a date when all the, uh, the stats started to rise again. So huge bummer on that. But uh, that will be happening if it is the last thing I do on this earth, uh, knock on wood. But 
Uh, BravoCon 2021 is canceled. Uh, ooh, we got confirmation today on a big guest for September that I'm so excited to talk to. Uh, so if there's any other guests you want me to talk to, please let me know. Uh, Sandra has been killing it with outreach. I mean, just really crushing it. Um, and I know, uh, go join the Facebook group. I, th- I think it's a so bad. It's good with Ryan Bailey. You have to answer a couple questions. I think one is like my parents, Bill and Becky Bailey. One is something about do you have your computer on you which is justin bieber and to be honest i forgot the third question because i didn't set it up but uh you know i'm gonna try it with the facebook group and hopefully it doesn't self-destruct or anything but hopefully it can be a, a fun experience for people maybe you could tell i'm very like i don't know i hope so um i say i'm a lot Wow. Oh, I wanted to read you guys this Andy Cohen article, but honestly, I do have to get to bed or try to uh, because I will. So I'm going to save this for Wednesday's show. I have uh, another former Real Housewife coming on this week, and I'm finally, I believe on Thursday, you will finally be hearing the long talked about pod between uh involves a lawyer and my parents and my digital afterlife so that has been on the back burner forever and then of course friday will be the real housewives of beverly hills recap um but thank you so much for listening uh i want to introduce my guest that i talked about earlier her name is winter mitchell um you're gonna hear all of this in the intro and but i kind of i feel like i mangled this intro but i'm gonna leave it in just because I want to be real with you guys. And you guys are like, come on, man. We just, we got to get about our our lives. You don't have to do that. But uh, she has this great podcast out right now called Waiting to Exhale, which is the letter X hyphen H-A-L-E with Karen Tongson and Winter Mitchell, who of course is our guest today. They did this old podcast, not old, but this podcast called Pop Rocket with Guy Branham, whom I'm a huge fan of. And I used to listen to episodes of theirs here and there. And I... I, I, I've always been a fan of hers on Twitter, and I think you're really going to dig her. So I'm excited for this interview, and I hope you really listen to it because it's not all Housewives and Bravo. There's a little of that in there, but I think this just shows how much we both love pop culture, and I think you guys love it too. So thanks for allowing me to kind of like branch out to different things. Um, so without further ado, I'm going to try to get sleep to get go to sleep so I can get less than five hours of sleep, but hopefully you will enjoy as much as I did, our next guest, Winter Mitchell. Uh, feel right, right here, quick. It's like it's supposed to happen. This one right here. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I am so excited to have our next guest. Now, this is somebody. It, it's so funny how social media works when it works in a good way. Is that you have those people that you really admire or you look up to, or you, you they, they know how to write a sentence that makes you think or makes you laugh. Or uh, and especially when it comes to pop culture, there's there's a handful of them that I really respect and that can actually turn you on to new things, new ideas. Um, and we have one of those with us here today, and I'm so excited. Uh, like we were just saying, she is old hat to the podcasting game. Uh, I was a big fan of her uh, her last podcast she did. I don't know if anybody remembers uh, Pop Rocket, but um, uh, but the new one is just as amazing, and it has uh, one of the hosts from that, Karen Tongson, uh, Waiting to Exhale is what it's called. Uh, it is a 
Y2X revisits the pop culture and social issues that define Generation X uh, from a queer woman of color perspective in a way that sheds new light on the pop culture from both then and now, which is just like the most amazing. And they just did an episode <laughs> on Woodstock 99. I, I got to stop talking because there's too much to talk about. Winter Mitchell, <laughs> welcome to the show. Ryan, thank you so much. I'm so excited. This is a long time coming. Thank it you. It really is. Thank No, thank you. I mean, the fact that this is why it's cool to, to actually start having a podcast that some people listen to because you get to have better guests. You get to have better conversation or, you know, it's just, I was saying this to the audience. I'm saying this is now an excuse to talk to people that I've always admired. You know, like there's, this is the excuse. I would never be able to do that because you actually make really solid points on your Twitter. Whereas I always say, I do fart jokes. Like I really, I really, but you, no, you're really funny. You're yeah, very, that, very funny. Well, but what I love about you is you're funny and you actually, there's like a base there. There's like a foundation. Uh, when you always start with a foundation of truth, the audience will go with you that much further. What is your background? Where, how did you even, because I know you're a digital strategist. Where, where are you from? How did this all happen? From San Francisco. So I was born and raised in San Francisco, uh, born in 1980, you know, growing up there was really fascinating. It was a really, I feel very lucky, Ryan, because I don't think that I would have the worldview that I have where I were born anywhere else. Like I feel really lucky to have been born in San Francisco, especially in the eighties and growing up, you know, I was exposed to sort of like everything that the Bay area had to offer, but the internet, I feel like we, you know, compared to all my friends who like lived, lived in the Midwest or, you know, grew up out there and came to California later on in their lives. Uh, I feel like the internet was like right on us. So I feel like I heard about it super early. I heard, I started hearing about it when I was eight because my mom and dad's best friend was their accountant. And he would talk about like sending the, the, the paperwork to the IRS via the computer. And I was like, what the heck? How do you do that? <laughs> I was like, really? That's crazy. And he like was the first person I heard about the internet from. And then three years later, we've got AOL. And next thing you know, I'm like off and running. So the internet has been a part of my life for a, like over 30 years. And it sort of propelled me into a direction where I started out growing up really wanting to be a news anchor. And then I realized like, I don't know if I want to do that because I feel like they don't get paid and they do a lot of work and they don't get paid. Turns out it's only like true for like three of them. <laughs> like really well and everybody does else does it and then I realized also like I want to be able to sort of travel the world and talk about things in a new light and the internet felt like that vertical right so I felt like I knew a lot about it I was trained on it and it sort of helped propel me through my career I started being a digital marketer like super early and I got in trouble all the time I've been fired like twice because of the internet um, wait, wait, wait. Speak a little bit more. I mean, because of your opinions on the internet or advice oh, that you've no, given no. because of the internet? Oh, no. I got fired when I was 22 from the William Morris Agency because I was <laughs> writing a blog. And it's so funny because everyone who was mad when I was 21 is like, I see them now that I'm 41 and they're like, oh, dude, you were so smart. You're so smart. You're just so smart. You're way ahead of your time. Like, you know, you're going to be my boss someday. Whether that's true or not, I definitely was smart for that. And then uh, I got fired again from Fox because I, I, I knew, I knew, I knew something about. Oh, Sanjaya came into the office. American and I, like, Idol Sanjaya. Yes, yes. And I told Seth Imbrovich, who is a, a, a writer now for yes, TNR. I, yes, I, you know Seth. Yeah. I told Seth. And Seth posted it, and then they were like, oh, Winter did it. I don't know how they figured it out at the time. I think they tracked 
like everything um, and knew who it was. So then I got fired. So like, <laughs> I've been like always, the internet had gotten me in so much trouble so many times, but I don't care because it's the internet and that's just what it what it is. Now that I'm older, obviously I've sort of made it work for, for me. So for the last 10 years, I've had my own business you know, working with influencers, working with brands and helping them sort of navigate and build platforms. And that's just kind of been my gig from now. I love it. You say you're going back 30 years as most of us are now, but there is, there is a, a, there's almost a a romantic notion about the internet or, or when uh, especially a lot of my friends that are female speak about it. There is this romantic notion of, of discovering the internet and being Mm -hmm. on AOL or uh, you know, the, the live journal and all of these things. There's kind of this romantic notion. It really helped uh, you know, I grew up a nerd and there are these things that really helped us connect with the outside world when we were not able to do that in person. Right. And there is a romantic notion, but when you start to make money off of that, it, does it ruin, like I, sometimes when I watch reality mm-hmm. shows now and I have to take so many notes and all that, and I'm like, I used to just watch this in my underwear and I just had a good time. And now I'm like having to rewind scenes to take notes. And does it ruin the, the romantic notion for you at all? Or the, why you fell in love with it in the first place? That I think that the way it's evolved, right? Like I'm very, I'm perplexed, but I'm actually, and I'm also not surprised, but I'm happy about the evolution of social media. I do think that in the beginning, there was so much terrain that was mine, but the technology was not up to the speed, right? Yeah. So there were so many different, I always tell people, I remember when the dark web was the front web. All you had to do is know <laughs> like the right URL and you'd see some dark shit, right? And now you have to like dig super deep for it. Yeah. So I miss like sort of like that, that, that curiosity about it. But I also think that it's changed my life in such a way that I don't think that it'll ever beat me. Right. Like, I don't think that I'll ever be like, oh, no, 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 no. I'm, I, I won't fall for the banana in the tailpipe of the Internet because I don't think it's that sophisticated. I think, frankly, people are very exhausted by it. I think the more that we try to mine it and try to get it to into our will, we're creating monsters like these QAnon people. I think the more that we try to wrestle with it and control it it just grows and be, and manifests itself into like this beast and i also feel like the people who are like the like the 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 main figures of it like mark zuckerberg and elon musk i think they're all boring right i think the most curious come on part, elon dates grimes what do you mean that's not boring yeah. <laughs> i think they're boring i think these people like they're they're masters of the universe but i think they're boring and i think they're bored i feel like we are primed for like an upending of how the internet is run what areas and pockets of it dominate I really feel like Facebook and Instagram are entering a very dark era. A lot of people keep saying, you know, I, I barely go on, I go on Facebook now just as it, uh, it reminds me of yeah. whose birth, birthday it is. Right. And that's right. how I use, use it. I, I, don't, even, I, I don't even wish people happy birthday anymore. I've, I've moved past caring well, about the, that. It's so funny. I'm at that moment of like, do I keep wishing? Cause it's like, no. I do this daily list of to do things like take your vitamins, wish people a happy birthday. And then I'm really like, now I'm like wishing like 30 people a day, a happy birthday. Yeah. And I don't even know a good 15 of these people. People, so. um, but at the same time, there's this weird guilt that the internet gives you sometimes. But it's weird. Why do you say that you think they're entering a dark place, especially Instagram? Because I have a field day on Instagram with silly memes and stuff like that in terms of reality shows. Why do you think it's entering a dark place? 
It reminds me of, I remember the first time I saw a mall in a, in, in, in middle America that you can tell, I, I went to a mall in like St. Joseph, Missouri in like the mid nineties. And you can tell that like Walmart had landed there and mega malls were opening. And this place was just like a relic of, of an era long gone. And I think that Facebook is quickly approaching this relic era, era, right? There is something that I saw on Twitter a a while ago that said, we're not meant to know this many people or know their opinions. And I really fully believe that Facebook has just run the gamut on opinion and point of view, but I don't think that it's allow because it's so afraid of trying to pivot one way or the other it's limiting actual engagement in conversation it's not it's ai is not sophisticated enough to know aave so it doesn't know slang it doesn't know when people are joking it can't intonate once it gets to a part where it's just so robotic and now instagram is slowly becoming that way you take the joy you take the fun you take all of the energy out of it, it deflates and I there's think no there's nuance a, anymore right there's, there's no a- nuance and i think young people just don't have the, the young people are already leaving Instagram in droves. They're oh, not yeah. I mean, that's, really- that's where I heard this of like, yeah. Instagram is cringe. You got it. You know, my, my nephew, yeah. my, my 12 year old or 11 year old nephew was saying this and I'm like, how dare you? It's not cringe. I'm like, I'm, I'm like, but then I'm like, Oh, the Zero fact that interest. I kind of dig it makes it cringe. And my mom loves Facebook sits there with a, her iPad all night and tells me what my friends are cooking for dinner, but she loves it. She, those are her like stories where my grandma used to talk about soap operas. My mom talks about what people are doing on Facebook. And I'm like, mom, Right. That's not even the cool people I love aren't even on Facebook. It'd blow your mind to see what people are actually doing out there. It, it'll blow your mind, but it'll also make you sad because a lot of people are just talking to themselves. And that's why I love Twitter, because Twitter, actually, you have no distraction. We're all reacting to a collective trending topic or a news item, and we're all talking to each other. On Facebook, you're literally just talking to yourself. My mom talks <laughs> to herself. You know yeah. what I mean? Like she's talking, literally, it's gotten to the point where she's literally like posting something and the caption is, hey, literally changing and molding her mind into mush. I don't think it's healthy. I think that we need to start treating some of these platforms like what they are. And I don't know that we can, it, it sounds sad, but it's like, I don't know that we can do the alternative, which is engage in real time right now. <laughs> but I also think we need to go back to doing other stuff, like reading books, taking up photography. I, I, I keep saying this to the audience is that I used to be such a reader and it, that to me, mm-hmm. that was such an escape as well. And now yeah. uh, I have so many, I, I look at it, I almost cry. I almost, it's like kryptonite. If I pick up a book for a second, I get nervous and put it down and read Twitter yeah. really quick because yeah. I can't, I, my concentration, but then at the same time, I just blew through six seasons of the Americans in right. the last couple of weeks. And I, it, I felt, I felt so smart, so connected. I was yeah. like, look at me watching scripted television, not even reality television, yeah. but the, the bar has shifted and what we think of what feeds us. But I miss those days of reading a book and I wish, especially at COVID, if we ever get out of this thing, if they could have just all the companies, all the concerts say, you know, hey, we're not going to do anything for three months. Go connect with your friends and family. Have a blast. Go have a bitch in summer. And then we'll come back and we're going to shove content down your throat. But we don't have any, there's no stop button anymore, right? There's no stop button. And do I think that the internet deserves a bank holiday? Yeah. I think that <laughs> would be need- amazing if you got permission it to would not be, be amazing. On? Not only that, wouldn't it be amazing if they said, and we're not going to be on either. We're shutting it down for the day and they'll never do that. 
They'll never do that, but they should think about it. Cause I honestly think we're cruising for a really look. If we keep going the direction we're going with the way COVID is happening, where I know that eventually we're just gonna have to live with it, but we've been inside like this collectively dealing with various traumas, whether you want to be vaccinated and can't, whether you don't want to go to work and you have to, whether you don't want to wear masks and they're forcing you. One way or other, we're being pulled into a direction that we don't feel is, our, is, is, is it's a violation of our rights. We don't feel like we're being allowed to be who we want to be. And I, unless you're in a really healthy space, I find myself being in a, you know, I'm, blessed and lucky enough that I can, you know, have resources, talk to therapists, talk to friends and build that sort of cocoon for myself. I don't know what I would do personally if I didn't trust the community that I engage with specifically on Twitter as much as I did. Because without that community, I don't know that I would have been really happy over the last 18 months. Mm -hmm. At the same time, I can see people who have commit. I also have friends in real life. I can see people who don't have that real life connection, you know, and seeing that making their days darker. So I'm I'm worried about humanity for sure, and I'm worried about like someone like who's like as careless as Mark Zuckerberg is being so in charge of the sway of humanity. I, I can't stand I, it's, the guy. It's 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 really bizarre who is you know like you said in charge of these things. But also like that that idea that you're kind of speaking of briefly of are we meant to be connected with this many people? Like, are we meant to be able to say our ideas without really much thought? Are we is it is it is it wise or smart? Because I've noticed, you know, even just if you take it with pop culture, which this is what I talk about all the time now, is that the new thing will come out. And, you know, back in the I mean, the 90s or the odds like, you know, you talk about it for months. You talk about it for months and now uh, a really hot reality show comes out and you talk about it for a couple days and it's like a couple days. It's the king of the mountain. And then next week, a new thing comes on and that's king of the mountain. And mm -hmm. none of these things, uh, even if they're amazing, nothing really I, I get curious or scared that nothing's going to really resonate. Like what actually has staying power in today's um entertainment landscape which yeah. by the way through covid that's all i looked at uh the world through was like a pop culture landscape because it's the only thing we had to cling on to was how much we can feed ourselves from the outside from watching the outside on a tv you know that's interesting because i really you know like when covid began i i was very curious one because i work in, in entertainment who would know how to act during all of this? So I didn't spend a lot of time like on Instagram or Facebook if it wasn't work related. I kind of just watched like what would pop up on Twitter, what people were saying. But what I watched is I really, really got into and in, in, in a way that I hadn't before 90 day fiance and love after lockup. These people are not people that I aspire to be on any level. Oh, but, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. But it's so opposite of what my lifestyle is like. It doesn't make me feel better about myself, but it's, if they're asking us, like with all the political bullshit, to look at the other side, right? The Our side is saying, look at how we have, what we have to deal with. Their side is like, look at what we're going through. I, that's the most I can tolerate from the that side of the ticket because these people are living life 
on the very edge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I love after lockup. It's, I mean, like, wow, this is like a science experiment sometimes. Yes. <laughs> yes. And it's not, you know, I, I, I know that that's real life for a lot of people. I know that really happens. But I think it was really intriguing what type of reality program. You see how it affected the housewives. Like yeah. the housewives could barely function. The, the entire, every single franchise kind of like, with the exception of Beverly Hills, is, is, is I mean, we're seeing we're seeing the after effects of that right now. I mean, everybody's mm-hmm. complaining about New York this season, and I just it is not a quote unquote entertaining season. But you no. are dealing with the after effects of COVID. They can only be in scenes with pretty much each other, and right. you forget how outside forces actually played a big part of these shows. But right. 90 Day Fiance, they're not worried about looking good. They're not worried about lighting. They're not. They gave those people GoPros and said, <laughs> "Hey, film us try film yourself trying to survive." And it was really weirdly engrossing yeah yeah it was engrossing because i hate like 80 percent of the cast on 90 day fiance i think that's by design you're supposed to like you're not supposed to none of those are heroes right like no i can't stand 90 80 to 90 percent of the cast but i'm fascinated by their choices and that was the thing that brought me in and keeps me there's like your choices your choices like is this a desperate, a desperate choice. Is it out of desperation, or is this really how you your mind works? Yeah. I know there's a little bit of production and, and whatnot, but then seeing with the housewives, you know, I think Potomac is really gonna. You know, we already know Beverly Hills is killing it this year, but yeah. Potomac is a collective. You know, Beverly Hills is sort of leaning on the dynamic with Erica and, and all her bullshit, but the dynamic between the Potomac class, the, the Potomac cast, and how you're seeing sort of like the residual effects of the pandemic. I find that to be very compelling. I really am enjoying this season. Of oh, I mean, they, 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 see, that's what I was saying there. Uh, you know, everybody uh, saying, well, you know, New York. And I'm like, yeah, New York's going to correct itself next season. It's going right. to be fine. But I, right. I am saying it's like, guess what? When things are working, you're not talking about casting. Nobody's on, not on Potomac. Nobody's talking about like, well, we lost Monique, so we got it. Like, no, we're just enjoying it because there's chemistry. And right. even if the Erica Jane's plot line wasn't going on, I dollars to notice that show would still be working because the chemistry of those ladies, like I always, I'm not into sports, but I did watch the Michael Jackson, uh, the Michael Jordan documentary, which everybody knows. Yeah. So it's like, it's a team. Like you can throw out to Kathy for a little assist. She's going to say a funny <laughs> line. You're going to have Crystal and Sutton doing their thing. You can throw the ball to anyone where we don't even really need to read this season. Like, okay, right. just make some faces, a reaction faces. That's great. We don't need you. Um, everything's firing on all cylinders. Same thing with Potomac, but, um, but New York, you know when chemistry isn't there. You know when it's not working. And and it's not, I, I feel like it's like, Twitter's funny because it's, you know, there, it's like a dog eat dog kind of uh, society in Twitter sometimes where it's like, it's okay if things don't work. It does, it's not the end of the world. It's like I was talking about the Kyle fan base and the, the LVP stands and yeah. how they're literally, I mean, they're close to a, a war at some point. Right. And I'm right. like, well, I like I I've really enjoyed both of them at times. Like I've I've I can be you know or I can appreciate why that I think this would be um, 
attractive to have them on again, just like uh, Giselle and um, uh, Karen. Right. I think they right. need each other. I think they feed they off each other so good. They need each other. Who listen to you? You're you're a baseball or a basketball fan, right? So do you, are, are you or no? no I I just te- no. I <laughs> I was the guy that was watching reality. Uh, I only watched, but I, that Michael Jordan documentary from over okay. COVID. I loved it. I love sports documentaries. Okay. Okay. Um, so I was, cause I was going to try to use an analogy that you, you can, up. I can try it. Yeah, okay. I know, but I need my, my husband needs to be here. Where is he? I'm trying to think of like, which team worked so well, even though they hated each other. And I'm trying, Oh, when Shaq and Kobe played Kobe, together. Yeah. yeah. They didn't like each other, but that was a winning team. And I look, I think that that makes sense. I think that you have to, really, really, really try to find the chemistry, even in spite of the things that are fucking weird about it. Like I also find, I don't like Candace, right? I just don't like her. Um, But I don't feel like it would have worked immediately for her to be off the show. I am still, I guess it, I guess it makes sense, but I really am bummed that Monique is not there. I miss Uh, Monique. I said that I see, I, well, here's the deal. I don't think that um, I always have the the um, theory that, the, you know, the show like no one is bigger than the show. That's why I right. don't want Bethany to come back to New York, because no. I think it, and it gives somebody that that thing of like, look at me. I'm bi- I, I it is my show. And I don't think the housewife should be anybody's show. Um, and with with that, I, I just don't. I think Monique the show is still working, you know, and part of me wish wishes it wasn't so Monique could feel better, you know, like I hope she, and then when Nicki Minaj came out, I was like, oh, oh no. no. And I was so sad about that. It's uh, so funny that you thought of Monique. I first person I thought of was Monique. And I, you know, I went on record saying, yes, Monique shouldn't have done this. Shouldn't have, you know, I, I've said this till I'm blue in the face, but it is frustrating because I really did like Monique as a character, mm-hmm. but the show continues. The show right. must go on. No right, one is bigger right. than the show. And Monique right. had a great position where she chose not to come back. That was her choice. You know, sure. she had, she was given that option, which I, you know, so, and I'm really curious to ask her about that of like, you know, yeah. who knows if she'll be able to tell, but like, if, you know, do you regret things sometimes, even if you have a great life, do you regret when you see everybody messing around on Twitter and going back and forth? Like, do, is there something to be missed there? Or is it just eh, dirt off your shoulder, you know? I feel bad for her because I think she was just like a, a moment stunted. She was a great housewife. She was a great participant. And look, I'm not pro-violent, but I'm part of the group of people who are like, you talk a lot of shit, Candace, and you need to be able to be ready for whatever that whatever happens we see in promos i don't know when it's coming but i'm waiting there's some salad mia yeah me i think mia throws a salad or something yeah yeah i mean i just you know part of reality shows for better or worse look the even the kardashians the big mamas of of reality had to that season before their final they really had to resort to a full-on fist fisticuffs. Yeah, between I mean, Courtney and Kim. Yeah, they like threw yeah. each other. Uh, you know, there was makeup smudges on uh, <laughs> Chloe's expensive wall. You know, she cleaned off before she decided to sort out <laughs> the, <laughs> the dispute. Yeah, I mean, like you know, you have to some tactics come down to it, and you take them. But you know, I, I'm I'm enjoying, especially after the debacle of Orange County, which I just I've never been more disgusted by. 
to that me, that was, was like Mad Maxian in a way. Like it almost felt like a, a different kind of culture where I was like, you're going into Orange County now. And you really felt it because it was one of the first ones to really, right. I don't want to say confront COVID because they didn't, but it, no. like start start talking about it and stuff. And it really did seem just like this weird environment that I I was like, it wasn't my city or what I was seeing, but it was uh, it was bizarre. And, and I guess it should be bizarre, but I'm really interested to see how they, dust off and pick and you know i think they made the right decision with uh you know axing kelly and bringing on heather but we'll, yeah. we'll see i mean i i get curious on all of these shows what the shelf life is i mean do you ever think about that in terms of pop culture we see so many streaming services now uh you know probably eight popped up during the uh the the covid yeah. the quarantine. like do you ever like where like i always Tell, I always tell people like, make your friend watch Bravo, make your friend watch Bravo, because I know it's all like gas bags like me that watch everything. But are we getting any new eyes on this? And are we welcoming anybody new? Because at this point, we're like 12 seasons into some of these things. You know, is it welcoming to new eyes or are they pretty much just shrink like a shrinking audience sometimes each season? I've watched Real Housewives since uh, Beverly Hills since. Adrian left. So I came back to this season at the urging of my friends who are, they're like, you got to watch it. It's, yeah. you know, Crystal's great. Uh, uh, you know, this whole thing with Erica is fascinating. And so that brought me back in. Now that brought me back in. This is New York and Atlanta were my mainstays. And I can't really, I'm really not enjoying the season to the point where I can't watch it at all on New York. Yeah. Atlanta, I also felt like was super Cynthia heavy and I'm ready for her to go. I could, I could use a little less. Cynthia and and that's the rumors that I believe we are. And, and, and somebody made the, the point of like, well, yeah, I think she, she entered on planning a wedding and she left, you know, her last season was her next wedding. No, yeah. I mean, that's super spreader event. Yeah, that's super spreader event. But like, yeah, like I think that, you know, the multitude of streaming platforms that debuted in the last year, you know, I've found have been very comforting. I'm super into Pluto TV, which yeah, I think yeah, yeah. you see me go on and on yeah. about to the point where the head of programming follows me and I harass him at every opportunity. But yeah, explain Pluto to the people that don't know, because I still even yeah. get confused because they have an empty, they have a real world channel. They have right. a really specific channels. They have very specific, Pluto is a streaming, a freemium model, okay? So freemium model means that all of, you know, advertising is supporting the programming. They're not asking for money from you. So you get you get a fair amount of ads, but it's not, it's not aggressive. It's not annoying. Uh, and I think the ads are designed to be monotonous. So you don't even really notice that the ad is showing up. They have channels like the 90210 channel. They have an <laughs> MTV channel that shows you blocks of old, like 90s content, Beavis and Butthead, old yeah. music videos. They have a horror channel, or a thriller channel, a 70s channel, an 80s channel, classics, awards movies. And they have a pretty good library. Their library is nothing to, to, to sniff at. It's really strong. Um, it has, uh, you know, on-demand, uh, options and I, I love it. You download it, you, you log in, you're there. Uh, they've really exploded over the last year. I mean, when we started, it was just like Tom Steyer commercials every single day. <laughs> now, now it's like expanded in terms of their ad inventory. And then I also watched Tubi, which was launched yeah. sort of like a standalone, an, another freemium model, um, very janky, 
very rickety, owned by Fox. I don't know what the plan is here. Very OAN, if oh, the, you know, OAN network content. They have like a whole Hitler section. I was like, no one needs a whole Hitler section. You're <laughs> scrolling, a just a little yeah, bit a little of Hitler. Hitler. I don't need yeah, yeah. a little Hitler goes a long it's, way. It's crazy how many uh, Hitler documentaries there are. Like it is fascinating. Crazy. That, yeah. <laughs> You know, and 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 so like you know, two owned by Fox. It's 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 okay. I think they could stand. You know, no one's Netflix. Netflix sort of to me has a lock on. You know, this expensive ass programming. They're the kings of this entire streaming situation, this business, and they know that. But it doesn't mean that their their content is good. I I don't think that Netflix has the greatest content. Did you watch the Love Is Blind? You know, I started and then I was like, uh, you know, my friend pointed out that like, you know, they I think miscalculated how much we like these characters. Like, do we really <laughs> care about Giannina Nina? And, you know, like I'm saying, like, do we like were we I love the concept of falling in love without seeing the person. I didn't so much care when they saw each other. I wanted <laughs> right. more of the, you know, up to the point where they saw each other. I don't care what happened. Like, the thing is, like. This goes into my theory of like, we are setting ourselves up for the future of failure in pop culture because we now have to take care of all of these quote unquote nobodies that are going to rely on being influencers, going to rely on this, you know, but like we now have to take care of Giannina Nina and the cast of Love is Blind for the rest of our lives because they chose to do two seasons of a show that should, you know, like what I'm saying, like we now need to care for like a hundred Bachelor franchise people every year. No, no, Ryan. So I worked at Us Weekly. Oh, one of my dream publications. Okay. I I was there at the, I was there at the tail end of the best time to be there. The the Paris Hilton, uh, Brittany Lindsay years. Yes. 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 Okay. So the best times to be there. And, you know, I didn't understand. I'm I'm older, right? Like I'm, I'm, I'm to, to be 30 years old working at, you know, an Us magazine was a dream job, by the way. I loved every minute of it. It was a great experience. I have nothing negative to say about it. But the one thing that was interesting about working there is the commitment we made to trying to know every single thing about Bachelor people, which I hate that show. And I don't give five shits about any of those people. (laughs) So it was very like one time I had to drive Ugh, I had to drive to San Diego for Ali Fedotowski. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine sitting in your car outside of, of some stucco, you know, mini McTown house situation waiting for Ali Fedotowski to exit? Yeah. I cried the entire <laughs> way to San Diego and cried in my car because I was like, this is not the kind of journalism I want to do. But those were like the pains. And then you get there and you're like, what's in your purse? Let us know. That's the article. Yeah. <laughs> That's the article. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, so those people I don't care about. But to your point, I really kind of wished we had that same kind of interest from like an Us Magazine perspective unlike 90 Day Fiance people. It's, I feel like that's a lucrative space to be oh it really i mean it it doubles uh bravo ratings sometimes triples in terms of just the actual standalone ratings 90 day fiance you know uh, hovers over bravo in terms of just interest ryan listen i don't understand what they're doing these days they've got they've they've traded 
uh, owners. They've they've gone through EICs. I know their current EIC. She's a cool chick. But I just feel like you're not going to get an exclusive anymore from JLo. That's just not happening. And it's also yeah. going to be- J- super- JLo's hired her own people to take pictures of her own. Right. Her yeah. yeah. She doesn't need you guys. No, big stars don't need Us Magazine to sell movies. They don't need you to sell anything. They don't need you. So why don't you just cater to the stuff that people are watching? I mean, in the very end of the Kardashian show, it was Love Love After Lockup and 90 Day Fiance like three times their audience size. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, their audience shrank every, like they they had that, uh, what was like eight or nine seasons ago was their top rated season and they just like shrunk every, mm-hmm. every season since then. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is interesting. Like people don't, but it, it's like uh, YouTube almost. And I don't really mess around with YouTube, but yeah. you know, I was reading something where like YouTube would like dwarf any TV rating. Like my, my niece and nephew, that's all like the YouTubers are stars. You know, those are getting double. I mean, like the, the Jake, Jake Paul fights, he's getting $20 million for a, a stupid fight. You know, like, I mean, this is, there's a bizarre thing and, and half, like I would say 70% of the world has no idea this is happening. Like my parents no. don't know what's happening online. My like they don't even realize these are the stars. But I also feel bad, right? Like if I don't think television wasn't designed to alienate people, you were you were supposed to have options, right? If you want to watch like Columbo one night and because the wife likes Columbo and the next night you're watching Canon, like you had options. You were kind of like grandfathered into programming that was like. Every night it was something different, comedy, kids, whatever it was, right? Like variety. I feel like now it's like very segregated. So you are a Bravo fan and you have Bravo stuff. And then you're a TLC fan or a WeTV fan and like, that's your shit. And then you're as with YouTube, it's like, I'm into YouTube because of my stepson. He's 10 years old and he's obsessed with, uh, compilation videos or that makes people laugh and people getting kicked in the nuts. Like the, he's a, he's a boy. So yeah. that's, the, but he's also really obsessed with watching people play video games, which I find hilarious. Oh, that's, that's what, yeah. That's what my nephew does too. Spends it like there and there's like good ones. Oh, this guy's good at playing video. Like what about yeah. you playing video games? Do you like to do that? You know? Right. Right. No. And he does, but it's also like the funniest thing. The funniest part is him playing a game, watching somebody play a game on his iPad. And I'm like, this is the future because when I was a kid, it was like, my sister watched me play the game. We fought over it. I pause it, went to school, came back, played, you know, unpaused it. Like, yeah. It, it just, we didn't have, you know, the Maybe Nintendo like magazine. Che- cheat codes and all that, you know, like. Yeah. You know, I- yeah. It, it, and they're so, you know, the, I was watching my nephew build something on Minecraft or something, right. some, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm mm-hmm. just like, you're actually like, and it, it's boring as hell to watch. I mean, yes. just literally, and they'll watch videos on that too. And I'm like, this is so, this is like watching paint dry and you complain about something else being boring. Like you complain yeah. about like regular narrative storytelling is boring to you, but this oh. is fascinating. Putting it's- bricks in fake walls. Their brains are just different, which I get. Like, that's the evolution of- In people. my day, we had the real world. Seven strangers <laughs> picked to live in a lot. <laughs> in my world, a plumber just kept going forward, forward and jumping. Um, no, I mean, like, I, I have to remember being his, and my, and my husband is the same way. Like, we have to remember being his age and being like, okay, this was what gave us 
pleasure. This is what we derived, you know, excitement from. And I get that. But I also feel like it's so segregated. Like kids don't care about TV at all. And I'm like, so many things on TV are good. And I got my stepson into uh, 90 Day Fiance. He loves it. <laughs> he does not rationalize the existence of Big Ed. Big yeah. Ed. Oh, Big Ed's probably a good entrance point to get yes. other people involved. Yeah. <laughs> he couldn't like. He was like, "I this guy is a joke." That's he's like, he he's like, <laughs> I wonder what this guy would look like getting his nuts kicked. That'd be funny. That'd be the best YouTube video ever. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, it is funny. Like you think about um. Like uh, I remember growing up in uh, like a uh, series finale. You guys just talked about the Friends reunion a couple episodes yeah, ago on Y2K. Yeah. It was um, I don't know. It was a haunting experience for me watching it in many ways. Very, um, and, and very. You know, because I watched I uh, watched it during when it was on, and and I remember the finale and the ratings for the finale and the ratings yeah. for Seinfeld, and then but you know back in you know the ratings for ER and and. But before that, you'd always hear, well, it was just the three networks and MASH. The finale of MASH was the highest rated, you know, and then you realize now it is so segregated. It is so tiny that Netflix mm-hmm. can do a, a show that is geared literally towards this one million person demographic. And it can be it only needs to be successful for this demographic. And there right. is no crossover. Right. But that's why I was like, we're eventually going to somebody's going to make a show just for us one day. And I mean, just for me personally, like everybody's going to have a show directly for them. Dude, I really feel like that's already happening. I really feel like there are shows that are just for a certain kind of person. I thought about it, which I forget the name of the show, but it was the one with the girl with the eyes, Christina Maloney and her husband implanted a chip into her. Oh, uh, wait, the one on HBO max. Yeah. Yeah. That show, Lo- what love adrift? No, is it? Uh, something lovish, but it's good job, HBO Max. Uh, but it just <laughs> felt like specific for a type of woman who's been, who is really thinking, especially at the time it came out at the top of the pandemic or middle pandemic, but just like a specific kind of woman who feels tethered to a life that is not her own. Like it's talking to people like that one show that was on Amazon again, you was it utopia that would no, that wasn't it. The show where the I know guy, what you're talking about. It, it, he, it actually got a second season, but it was, uh, yeah. It, it, he I know dies it was, and he lives in like a digital, yeah, that a digital heaven. And one of the guys from Parks and Rec is part of it, I think. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just like that type of stuff. You know, I really was thinking to myself, like, we're not out of the pandemic by any means. Um, this is just to me the new normal. But I was thinking, like, what does content look like, knowing that this is where we're at, and what does content look like, and all these. Things are being made about. I read articles every day. I all Disney cares cares about. All Warner cares about. All Paramount cares about is IP. IP is bigger than the person. And that's intellectual property, you guys. Intellectual property. Oh, sorry, y'all. It's intellectual property. So when we talk about IP, we talk about you know the Avengers, Black Widow, Batman versus Superman, that type of content, which is like any you can you can make it and and stick anybody in it and they'll become a star. It'll do well. It's a machine. This is how it yeah. works. And I'm saddened by that, which is why I want more 824 neon uh, studios in the world. So we don't have to rely on just seeing like Iron Man 70. Like I yeah. just want content. And I feel like they're also spitting stuff at a clip. So they're not that great quality. Wonder Woman 84 wasn't good. 
we can oh, all man, I, I I was I was at my parents' place and I had my I had COVID and it was it made me oh. feel worse than I already felt. I was like, this is so bad. Well, I mean, we just it was like it was flashy, it was expensive, it was all those things. How do you do a throwback 80s film and don't even use an 80s soundtrack? Like there were so many things that were so weird to me about that experience. But yeah, I mean it's it's uh the consumption is I mean, but I was listening to Spotify the other day and I was listening to like Boney Vare or some bull- bullshit I love. And, and then afterwards <laughs> it kept playing other things. And I was like, well, this is pretty good. What is this? And then, yeah. you know, it's like, they, they, they pick out all of these songs that you're going to like and damn it if they weren't right. And it makes you feel so small and it makes you feel so powerless that you can be type of thought. You can be, you know, you can be uh, guessed so easily oh. by a machine. It, it's so, it's such a bummer. Guys, it's your old friend Ryan. You did not start the pot over again. It is commercial time. But Folks, summer is just around the corner, so it's time to say goodbye to those jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. Now, I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune, and luckily, I found Quince. Now, I have a lineup of timeless pieces I want that will keep me looking fresh year after year. I got a pair of tan shorts. I got a pair of green shorts. I cannot wait to style these for summer. And I got to tell you, the quality is great because Quince has all the seasonal must-haves like 100% European linen shirts from $30, performance polos, and versatile flow knit activewear. The best part? All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman by partnering directly with top factories and passes that savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. So you can feel good about what you're wearing on every level. So upgrade your wardrobe. Go to quince.com slash so bad for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash so bad to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash so bad. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So, the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going. But there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S.com. Also a commercial for a brand that I am proud to represent, and that is Dame. So we've talked about on this show before that we should definitely seek out what's right for us 
not compromise on what is most important. Now, our relationships, they should add value to our lives, especially in the bedroom, right? So why don't we think the same way about our sex toys? Now, Dame Products, this is why this company is cool. It is a women, a woman-owned sex toy company. They're making the next generation of vulva-tested, vulva-approved vibrators. I've said vulva way too many times already. So it's founded by a sex educator and an engineering whiz. Dame develops toys with the help of real humans and couples like you. They're closing the pleasure gap and helping the world one vulva at a time. So their vibrators and accessories are made with medical-grade silicone, smart design principles, and lots of love, earning glowing press from the New York Times, W Magazine, and many more. So whether you're a couple looking for an extra boost where it matters or on a journey of self-exploration, which is a very valid journey, by the way, and everybody should have a journey of self-exploration at some point. But we are sure here at So Bad It's Good that they will earn a spot on your nightstand. Now, I personally recommend the Ava. It's a couple's vibrator giving you clitoral stimulation during penetrative sex. It's flexible wings tuck under your labia for a snug fit. And the best part, Dame offers hassle-free returns within 60 days. So your satisfaction is literally guaranteed. Listen to that, okay? Like, really, 60 days Satisfaction guaranteed. That's a huge thing, hassle-free returns. So go to dameproducts.com, D-A-M-E products.com forward slash so bad today for 15% off site-wide. Again, go to dameproducts.com forward slash so bad today for 15% off site-wide. Even if you don't buy something, folks, go use my little www address and see if you like something on there. You never know, right? You never know. And I will tell you the last time that this commercial uh, was on uh, a couple weeks ago, a couple people bought products and they said they're really good. And I, I, I have a product um, that I guess, guess I'm waiting for the uh, right person to break it in with. <laughs> Fake it in with, but you guys, this is the real deal. This is a real company. They seem to be doing it the right way, and I think it's really cool that a woman uh, founded this and that it's run by women. You can't have better than that. Women know what women want. So, okay, I have talked about this way too much. You know, but but you know what, right? I feel differently about it because you know what that was like before when a radio station would just play the same five yeah. freaking songs and then they talk through the song that you love the most. I was and- talking about the, the experience of uh, having a cassette recorder and trying to tape your favorite song, but the DJ was talking over it. Yes. And you were hoping you would, you would stay up really late in the night because it would talk less sometimes. Yes. You know? and it didn't yeah. matter. And yeah. it's like, I would, or when you call the station and want them to play the song that you love and they don't play it. And, you know, like there, I think that we have more say, which I think is great for entertainment democracy. I think we have a lot more say in what we can do, what we can consume. We're dictating what this industry is is programming, which I'm actually pro. I'm pro the fact that I can say, guess what, Netflix, that's fine if you don't want to renew that show because it's trash. I can barely, or I don't care. I watched the first nine episodes. I don't need more. Love is blind. I don't care about Amber and Barnett. I don't, I don't ever want to see them again. I've, I've had enough. I also, the only place, and you saw, and I, I don't think I ranted enough about this. And we talked about it a little bit on Twitter. The only place where I feel like it's very rude and insulting to us is the degradation and the complete decimation of MTV. 
MTV. Yes, this is what I really want. This yeah. was a big thing I wanted to talk yeah. to you guys. For, uh, I said this on yesterday's pod, but uh, MTV celebrated their 40th anniversary. And um, somebody said, oh, this is the schedule for celebrate their 40th anniversary. And it was 24 <laughs> hours of ridiculousness. And but yeah, I mean, this was a powerhouse MTV. This this gave us so much, not just music videos, but reality shows, but all of it, you know, and it's like the mighty has fallen. I mean, what are your opinions on this? Ryan, I am, it pisses me off. I'm really upset about it. Um, particularly because it's 40, I'm 41. I remember the, not the day, but I remember like when it was starting. So I remember like it starting. And I think I can say, I remember when it was really kicking into high gear because people took so many risks in the beginning with the videos. So like, you know, Herbie Hancock and Rocket scared the shit out of me. Uh, yeah. You know, I yeah, 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 totally. <laughs> yeah. You know, and then Thriller coming out and then like, you know, Madonna and Prince. So those like st- formative years, really taking in that content and really appreciating it. And it was one of those channels, like I did not, it did not, I didn't turn to other channels. I grew up literally just watching MTV. It was always on like a, like a bar. So when I got to be like 10 and 11 and 12, and it was moving on to like Eon Flux, Beavis and Butthead, Remote Control, that type of stuff, that shaped me. So I'm literally sitting here thinking to myself right now, like as a 41 year old woman who's still really plugged into everything, why can't they be plugged into it? I don't understand. I don't know if label budgets are such that we just can't have videos. I don't know if they can't do a deal with YouTube to try to figure it out, but there's really no reason why 24 hours on the 40th anniversary should completely be given to ridiculousness. But, that I doesn't mean, make sense. But also how, when you have a back catalog of like bangers in my opinion, like even like room Raiders next, all of these like BS yeah. that we laughed at, I would kill to like, if you could go back and just like MTV's like, you could have a whole just, channel of just rerun programming and they would kill it it's i mean i can't imagine ridiculousness is it, i mean but i guess maybe it's more of that kicking in the nuts kind of thing that youtube but but at the same time there's a time and place but you don't need like why is it the only thing we see on him like is there some kind of deal with the devil that's been made by uh, no Rob i'm completely no I, i'm completely convinced that like a legal person lost releases or of files all of, of, yeah. of all, all like it, yeah. like real like like you have to renew licensings or yeah. something like that and a, and a legal person's like I don't know I just I lost the drive but because it's so short sighted it's it's short sighted and it's wild and it's lazy I mean I used to like know thinking about like how it was like Buna Murray Van Toffler like you like uh uh Kurt Loder and and you know Serena and it's just like all the people that you knew I was just on the phone with Dave Holmes for this. Like, you know, it's so thinking- that's so. Oh my God! You know, like Dave Holmes is a hero of mine. He's somebody that I eventually yeah. want to reach out to to talk to because he was in the Woodstock '99 yeah. documentary. I was just talking about him yeah. last week. But uh, you're right. Like the MTV Kurt Loder, I, which is by the way Woodstock '99. I love that they were like he was treating it like he was a a war reporter by the end of Woodstock '99. <laughs> and you know, it was like this is Kurt Loder's chance to shine. But I remember getting Kurt Cobain's death from Kurt Loder. I remember yep. getting. Uh, you know, I, I remember these things played a part, and there's just. What a legacy, but the legacy is being celebrated by acting like there is no legacy. Like we MTV music awards used to be the thing. I mean, I went to them. I went to them. Let's see the, I went to them three times. I went to the one where Beyonce revealed her pregnancy. Uh, Like I would go to these and I felt like I was entering like, you know, 
Versailles. Like this was the big daddy, you know, yeah. forget the Oscars, forget the Oscars are boring. The Globes are really fun, but it's the MTV movie awards. And now I have zero interest in anything that they're doing also because they're look, I get, it's not for me. I get that I'm too old for this, but there's an opportunity here. And I think it was kind of missed with the real world reboot. If we're, if we're honest, that could have been done so much better. It could have been produced in a way that was way more compelling. I just don't think MTV cares anymore. And that's really weird. That well, when yeah, you I have mean, a legacy. you're speaking of the real world reunion, uh, reunion that was on Paramount Plus, which is another streaming service, but they didn't even back it up with getting all of the rights for all of the seasons to the real world. I try to watch real world Hawaii, which I always had fond memories of, and they don't have like seasons three through 11 on there of real world on Paramount Plus, but they have all the other ones. But at least with the real world reunion, I still felt we were getting some sort of real conversation. There was a switch over with the real world for me where it went to actual strangers living in a loft to uh, you know, hot people drinking Red Bull vodkas, you know? Right. And I actually was willing to make that jump, right? <laughs> you know, I got I got as far as I'll say, what was after Vegas? New Orleans? New Orleans was before Vegas. Yeah, I think because it was like with Scott Wolf's eventual wife. And I mean, I know yeah. the Chicago was the Miz. I don't, or I'm trying to, they all blend together now. But you're right. There was, it was a sad year when I was like, I think I might be getting too old for this. Like, I remember the, the, the conversation I had to have with myself. And then I switched to Teen Mom. <laughs> so, so, okay. San Diego was the last season. That's 2004. Yeah. That's so crazy. That's, I was 24 when I couldn't handle it anymore. That's, <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It's like, you just, you get to a point with some of this programming where, you know, it's, is this the end? Is this the finality of it? I feel like, you know, the Kardashians left on a high note ish. I don't know. I don't think they did it. That last season was great at all. I thought yeah, it was really, I mean, was, the, the, a family that could have the best reality show in the world chooses to, have like a gigantic commercial with two minutes of real content every week, you know? <laughs> right, right, exactly. So like, I just feel like the content that I'm sort of geared towards these days, you know, not so much the stuff that makes you really like, it's depressing out there. The, the, the actual news cycle is depressing, but I am very interested in stuff that feels more like reality than something that's like a put on. So we know like, it too. It's like, it's like you get goosebumps when you like the audiences now are so sophisticated is that we know when there's something real, we like, we immediately tune, like, we're like, Oh crap. Like the audiences are really amazing. That way is that we've been trained is that you can't really pull over a lot of bullshit on us anymore. No. Um, you know, you can for a certain amount of people. And, uh, but for the real, I, I don't want to say tastemakers, you know, you can really tell, immediately something that you're like, damn, I'm going to sit up for this. This is good. You know? And that's what keeps me coming back. Even though I think like a lot of the TLC, uh, we TV stuff is, is produced, but it's, well, but they need to also chill out with the amount too. It's the amount on 90 day fiance. It's like so many iterations. It's like game of Thrones where you have to, you lose a map to like get, you know, all the characters and you're watching like 10 hours much i What's don't that? i don't mind that so much i don't because i don't they don't pay these people much at all oh, I, would, know, I don't think they throw money at culty you know no, no i think he gets like a grand per whatever and i think it's the desire i think that keeps him humble because some of these people think that if they keep 
this up, they're going to be Kardashian level one day. And the reality is that no, no pun intended, no one is going to ever get that again. That was a fluke. And that was controlled by sort of the deal making in the early days. The the system is set up that we'll never have another Kardashian level of fame. And by the way, I mean, maybe, and maybe, I mean, we shouldn't as, as well, you know, like we should, we should, the system should be working where we should not ever have this happen again. You know? No, no. I think that (laughs) it was for a time and it, and it, you know, look, I'm not begrudging their success, but I also think the influence, man, like I see lookalikes of these people every, I live in the Valley. So it's just like, you stumble out the door and there's, and there's a Kardashian lookalike. It's just weird. And it is, when we look back a hundred years at like standards of beauty, obviously it will evolve because it will change and look more ethnic as we get closer to the print. But I don't want it to look like everyone, like, you know, my kids are gonna be like, what the hell is this? Everybody has fake asses, fake titties. Like, well, we all, I mean, they're all, all those Kardashians. Like we were taught, I was, you know, Scott, uh, Amelia Bedelia, Rinna's kid is looking exactly like the Kardashians is looking at yeah. them like, well, Scott must have introduced them to that plastic surgeon. Like there's some dude or girl out there, some plastic surgeon that is literally making everybody look the same or same features where it's like, OK, man, keep doing it because there's going to come a time where we all find that not attractive and can't they're all going to be walking around with this same face and something weird is going to have to happen to switch everything back or like i mean i just think about it always in terms of my niece like when she's allowed to use instagram i'm like man that's gonna be a scary day for her to think that oh, she has to i'm afraid of, of this you know like I, I think it would have been really bad if i were you know that's why again i to say i said like i said in the beginning i feel very lucky to have been born in the era I was born in, because if I were born in, in an era where I had to contend with, we were just at the tail end, like 16 is when social media was kind of beginning, the idea of social media, right? Like bulletin boards and messaging message boards. And if I had Instagram at 16, 17, oh no, no, no. The people making Instagrams about you, which is a thing that kids do to mock you in private groups. Oh yeah. It's horrifying. And I just think looking and seeing women who look like, you know, even Willow Smith talked about it. I feel like I have to look like these girls. And why do I feel like I have to look like them? Like, I feel like I'm being pulled into this. But again, it all goes back to the fact that it makes my job. It, it helps me make money because that's what I do. What are the the trends right now? What are, what are things headed towards? You know, what where are we what is the next big thing or what, you know, what are we, what are we headed towards? Is just some like mass destruction through media? I do think mass destruction through media is coming. Um, I also think that we're going to go back to, eventually we will have to um, go back to having deals structured so that social media is used in such a way to sort of like also be a chastity belt for talent. Um, I think younger talent we'll be able to sort of control that. We'll, we'll be able to sort of push back on that more than like older talent. But I think that, you know, people who don't have social media right now, like Matt Damon should not be on social media. <laughs> we you know what I mean? I mean, he, like, what a what a way to like, like one fail swoop. <laughs> Already a movie that's probably a hard sell. And with yeah. one fail swoop, you're like, he's like, yeah, I'll do as many, many interviews for this. As, I really believe it. And I'll do as many interviews as yeah. needed. And he's like, ended the press tour, you know? Ended the press tour. I mean, like, that's one of those situations where you really do have to be connected. It's somebody, I saw a tweet the other day. Somebody said, I really missed the, t- the era where celebrities didn't talk to us. 
And there's a way that celebrities cannot talk to you. They can stick to the message. They can stick to the vibe. They can stick to everything that people were doing in the 50s and 60s, which was curating a lifestyle and an experience, keeping the focus on the work, manipulating their personal life so you see what you need to see and nothing more than that. And that is the type of relatable content that Will Smith picture of him with his gut talking about him out of shape. <laughs> I know it was tied to some weight loss thing. It doesn't yeah. matter. It's like, it's relatable. So that's what we're talking about celebrities. What I don't think celebrities are prepared for and have not been prepared for is that pe- the, the will of the people. The will of the people is that if they do not like something, they will let you know. If they don't want to see something, they will let you know. And that will never stop. And the one thing that they also need to be prepared for is they think we're bad, like Gen X and millennials. These kids are ruthless. (laughs) They don't give a shit. They don't care about your movie. They don't care about like, you know, they'll see a rock movie, but they're not like, they have to be talked into it. They're like, ah, yeah, I'll I'll see it. But, you know, my mom and dad thought I wanted to see it. So that's how I saw it. That was, they took us to the movies. So that like Back to the Future, when it came out, I wanted to see Back to the Future. Uh, And I asked my mom and dad, can we go see it? And they were like, okay, we're going to go see it first because we want to have a date night. Then we'll take you to see it. But that's how movies made money back then. Parents went and checked it out. And they lasted for six months in the theaters. There's no like, well, you get a 30 day window we're going to air it on hbo max at the same time like right it was a thing where it was there was only a few you know you had to really i would yeah no that was totally the exact i grew up in kansas it was the exact same way of like begging my parents to like let me go see something and then it was so exciting when you got to the point where you were able to be dropped off with your friends right and or right. then even possibly maybe sneak into an r movie which i was always the pussy that was like oh, oh I'll, I'll be the last one i'll be on the tail end and then i'd be always like oh i got busted sorry guys i'm gonna stay in this Christmas <laughs> here. Um, but you know you just but that there is i keep saying this romantic notion but there is that thing i keep thinking about uh lately about summers um, and of course we're not in a normal one or we last yeah. you know, year for obvious reasons, but even before that, it was like, there was this thing that I used to, you know, go to my mailbox or my, you know, and I have us weekly premier magazine entertainment weekly. And I would, yeah. you know, see what movies were coming out and like the, the fall movie preview or the summer movie preview. And then I would mark on my calendar what, you know, movie releases were such a big deal, you know, Jurassic yeah. park and all of these things were so huge. And now there's just so much of everything. And I'm not, I love it as somebody that has more taste now than I did when I was 12. I love it because there's so many different options, but at the same time, it really did used to like kind of all point you in one direction or that thing of just discovering like mm-hmm. we were talking about earlier, like I go to the library and check out CDs and right. I would check out everything like, okay, who's Slayer? I want to know who Slayer is. Okay. Yeah. I don't think that's exactly for me. Who's this <laughs> of just like being able to try I think that's the beauty of youth too in summers is that you really thought you could taste everything and it almost didn't matter. You know, now as you get older, you're like, I need to be more picky about things because who knows life is not fine. You know, life is finite. So you have to like, really, I don't know. It's just weird. I think, but that's why I love talking about pop culture because it really, it encapsulates so much of our lives. It encapsulates so much of our lives, but it also, you know, I think for me, at least in the last year, I've really looked at it through a different lens because of what we've lost, what we, we were really baked into like a, a a sense of safety about our approach to pop culture. We'd always be able to go to movies. We'd always be able to watch this show. 
uh, we'd always, you know, have these things sort of like to rest on and nothing is promised. People are dying. P uh, the death and the grief of that is really aggressive and, and, and hard to take. And then, you know, now that we see that films are dwindling and people, you know, I think it was really bold of Scarlett Johansson to decide she's going to sue Disney. She's yeah. probably thinking to herself, this is my last chance at getting maybe like a hefty payday. I'm out of yeah. the universe. You guys, it, what she's referring to is, is uh, you know, Black Widow was supposed to be really, you know, released in the theaters only. And of course, because of COVID, it didn't work out that way. So Disney Plus had a deal where you could see it on there as well. And it affected, you know, the box office greatly. And that would have helped her get a $50 million payday, right? It would have helped her get a $50 million payday and it would have helped her get residuals, right? So like any money she would have made if it kept going, if it went uh, past 60 uh, uh, million dollars, and then any percentage after that, you know, it she would have gotten a, a significant and amount guys of money. get those deals all the time back in the day. You know, oh. a lot of women do not get those deals. No, I mean, I always think about how Sylvester Stallone got 80 million for four movies. I think three of the movies tanked, but he got 80 million, right? Yeah. So, like, nobody was going to question Sylvester Stallone's uh box office prowess. I think with uh, with uh Scarlett Johansson, she is. By the way, a phenomenal actress, amazing and incredible. And I really like her a lot. Um, I think that she's thinking to herself, look, I've got a timeline, a finite window. I also am a good actress, a great actress. I can make small, I know small art house films that I like to do and I'm good at don't make the same amount of money as these big, you know, picture, uh, big tentpole pictures. And look, I'm out of the universe. Unless I decide to, you know, rewrite something, this is it for me. So I think it's bold and I think it's not strategic. I'm, I'm sure there are reasons why her and her attorneys and her agents felt like they absolutely needed to do this. It makes Disney look bad. Look, Disney has and Disney came back though and Ballsy said, well, that's a you know, Charlotte Scarlett Johansson is not thinking about the pandemic we just went through. And she's, you know, they really tried that to throw her rude. under the bus. They're rude. the main it was see, really that was rude. really bad business. I thought that was like I was like so weird and her agent fired back immediately. Yeah. Um, but it was so weird to me that a, a company of that stature would even comment Can I and, and use Ryan, that. The, the reason that I have a huge problem with that, besides being really tasteless, by the way, like, like acting like she does, she shouldn't get paid because this bullshit that we're all enduring is yeah. Look, you I, should have given your money to COVID victim. Like what? Yeah, Disney? What the, are you kidding me? Kidding me? You made tons of money off Disney plus over the pandemic. They hired the guy who ran the parks to run the studio because they that guy was less expensive. That guy knows how to do cost cutting measures. That guy knows how to cut corners whenever he whenever it gets the, the belt gets tightening. They're the first company to try to open jam their way back into opening, putting like a chokehold on the rest, a grip on the country, knowing that they weren't going to stop people from the Midwest from going to Disney World, knowing that their people in Europe weren't going to stop being able to go to Disneyland, China, and Paris. They're out of their minds it to come at her cross when they did everything freaking possible to try to get money and squeeze money out of this pandemic, even though it was putting people's lives in danger. Wanted, you know, theaters open. They wanted to have parks open. If she's basically saying, like, I get it. I get that what you what you guys had to do was to sort of keep your bottom line together. Just make sure I get that money that I, that I deserve, because also your streams and your subscriptions went up 
because of the promise of my movie. She has every right to ask. Look, I don't know the particulars of the deal, but she has every right as a mother, a woman, somebody who's committed to this craft, has been in this business for hella long. She's more than allowed to ask for her pers her percentage of what's happening. And I also find it really rude that Robert Downey Jr., Chris Evans, Chris Hemsworth, as much as I love those three, have not stepped up and said, hey, like you would do anything for us. Robert Downey Jr. made a lot of money. Off oh, of I mean, Iron he, Man. I mean, he really, I mean, and uh, single-handedly like brought back his career. Yeah. I mean, like he really, I mean, what a, you know, just, just show how powerful that Marvel whole entity is. But yeah, I mean, I thought that was an obvious thing and I'm super shocked that more uh, Warner brothers uh, actors have not done that with the HBO max deal where they were doing the 30 day window as well. You know, well, Jason is out. And I think the studios felt like Jason, the, the CEO now, I don't know when his last day is, but those studios, uh, uh, you know, they were pivoting and trying, they never dealt with this before, which frankly, like there was no studio system during the Spanish influenza, right? So like, they don't know what the hell they're doing. <laughs> they don't know what to do. They're probably taking like a WW2 approach. We'll just like, you know, put girls in baseball. Like that's not how we're talking about right now. Like yeah. we actually need to find a formula because this isn't over. For me personally, my husband and I have talked about it. I don't know when I'm going back to a theater and I'm just being honest. And guess what, by the way, I don't know when I'm going back to like a I'm not going, I'll tell you this much. If I do go to a theater, it's a bougie theater or a screening room. I, the days of me walking into an AMC <laughs> and like just going and getting on the sticky floor and looking at the garish, you know, stuff like at City Walk are over. I am never going to an AMC again. So they don't ever have to worry about seeing my <laughs> black ass there. But as far as like going to a theater, there are specific movies that I want to see. I want to see Mission Impossible, the next one that I'm waiting for on with bated breath. I want to see Halloween, but guess what, Ryan? I'm also willing to not even see them in theater and wait till it's streaming. It's just the way it is. It's not that yeah. we're, 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 we're not in that world anymore. It's just, it's that's done. It's done. Martin Scorsese's biggest, Martin Scorsese's biggest nightmare is happening right now. Like they've, they've all like Nolan and Scorsese have been trying to save theater experience. And this really put one of the nails in the coffin, which is, I mean, but the same thing with, we just saw Lollapalooza this weekend in terms of even music crowds. We saw, you know, 110,000 people out there per day in Chicago, you know, right. the first huge music festival. And I was reading this. Did you read that Coachella article yesterday in the Times no, not from yet. Paul no, Tillett, the head of Golden Voice? Okay, really okay. article, actually, he, yeah, yeah. But he, yeah, he mainly said, he goes, hey, you know, we could have been first, you know, we could have been like, we don't still know enough about this. He's like, I, we canceled it two times. I'm in this for the long haul. And he said, he had, he goes one time, uh, five years ago, Bill Gates requested to see the polo fields. And I was taking Bill Gates around and he was seeing the operation. And he's like, I've been keeping tab on you guys. You guys are really great thing. This he goes, I, I foresee this lasting a lifetime. He goes, but you do have to worry about pandemics. And this was five years wow. ago. This is five wow. years ago. And, uh, and he was like, yeah, he's like, you know, you, you're going to have a lot of these things to deal with in the future. And uh, I don't want any nuts telling me that Bill Gates caused this, but I'm just saying, yeah, wasn't it going through a divorce? Give him a break. <laughs> but, well, I mean, if he cheated, he deserves it. But, well, right. uh, but, but, but I'm saying that's so fascinating though. And he was like, Hey, we're going to, we're going to wait to make sure this is safe for everybody. And he's like, I'm not bad mouthing Lollapalooza. I'm not bad mouthing this, but how we choose to do it. Cause we want to make sure everybody feels safe to keep coming to these things and that we potentially did the right thing, which was so interesting just to bring it back to MTV and Woodstock 99, right. was that they made this kind of, 
I don't know if it was the, the correct leap, uh, but they said, you know, Woodstock 99 were, was the precursor to making things like Coachella, where they, you know, had water available for like cheap and free of cost and things, you know, the evolution of that. But I mean, I'll be curious to see what live concerts are like from this point, you know? You know, it's interesting, Ryan, because that's also something I've talked about. Look, I'm older. I've been going to uh, festivals since I was in my 20s. I, I'm not the same I don't have the same joints. I don't have the same energy <laughs> level, uh, but I do still have the same musical taste. And I really miss, you know, Lollapalooza. This, this, I love the Foo Fighters and I've seen them at Lala. It was an amazing show. Um, I, this lineup this year did not. I, I, and I, I was, I was like hoping it was good for somebody. Cause I read through it and I was like, I went to 13 Coachella's like, I'm not a, a, a festival novice, but right. I read this and I was like, wow, I've seen all the good bit. Like I've seen, Fu, right. I've seen Miley, I've seen right. all these people. And I'm like, but half of them maybe, and maybe I shouldn't know their names. Maybe it's not for me, obviously, but it is right. interesting. I do care about festivals and I care about the live music experience because concerts right. are something that also makes me feel connected. Like the internet does. And right, I, I'm, right. I have a vested interest in it, in it staying a, around, but you want to make sure it's done safe. And I'm, that's why I'm just so curious what this next part of everything looks like for us through the end of the year. You know what they got to do and they'll never do it. They got to cut the attendance. You have to, it's already pushed to the limits. I think that 110,000 people in one area is uh, not only like a safety issue, even though they will never say that, right? They'll never say that because they can do it, right? They can control these people. They've got enough staff. They've got enough eyeballs and eagle eyes and every security and stuff. But it still, to me, is in the midst of what we're going through, feels very dangerous and irresponsible. 110,000 people during a pandemic in one square space to see the Foo Fighters just doesn't feel right. But that also puts more strenuous, it makes it more strenuous for artists. So like, I'm looking at, you know, my husband and I are going to Guns N' Roses in a few weeks. We're going to see John Mulaney in New Orleans. Oh, we, nice. you know, you know, we want to, we, we, we want to get back out there, but we've literally chosen, it's more expensive because we've chosen seats. We've chosen seats that are like sort of further away from like groups of people and the throngs of people. And we, um, yeah, because you know, nobody's nobody's ideal viewing experience is like, I want to go see Mulaney, but I want to see it. So I'm like really scared the whole time, you know, like nobody's exactly. like. <laughs> and I and the other thing too is like we are G general admission admission people. We're like in the oh yeah. I'm always like I want to get down there. You know down there. We went and we've seen Kanye twice and we were on the floor under the stage. Like we I was yeah I, I was there when one of the, he canceled it like seven songs in. I was at like the forum on one of those. You were you were you were on the show the next night. We were at the show the night before. So yeah. we were at the show the night before. So like yeah like we are in the throng in the thick of it. But this time around, I mean, like, look, we he wants to see a, a rock concert. I said, I want to see Guns N' Roses. I want to see, like, you know, I would love to see all of these people again, but I don't think I can do it in a festival setting, not in the next year, not, yeah. not the way this is, and not the way it, it's shaking out to be. It's just, I'm also thinking, like, those long-standing acts aren't feeling like doing shit either. Cause you know, we're seeing like, like some of the people on these bills, I'm like, really? Like Miley, I like well, that's I'm like, well, I'm like uh Stevie Nicks, I know like uh, Stevie Nicks is an uh, icon legend, but like she obviously, she 
he's like on all the a lot of these festival lit like there seems to be a group of older acts that like said i'll go out you know and then yeah. like they're but they're all the same acts like everybody is getting the same acts for these festivals the only group i think should be really livid or not even livid because they're already rich but like rolling stones because they got to be close to the end and they're like yes. you guys are taking two years out of our like we could make another yes billion dollars and you guys are taking this from us and our families and that's what I'm also worried about because I was supposed to go see Tom Petty's second show at the bowl and he died the, yeah. the morning of the second show. I, uh, I will always regret not saying always that, regret. that first show. Cause I saw him at the Pasadena festival that he was at yeah. three months earlier. And I will always regret that. Always yeah. regret that. And that's the other thing. Like, again, because we're in a pandemic, the sense of mortality, how many people, you know, I, I'll never see Biz Markie oh. DJ and special event oh, again. Oh my God, that killed me. I mean, I remember going to Coachella the day Prince died and I've been the biggest Prince fan. Oh. I've never felt uh, so like, I remember that coming out. Like I remember 6 a.m. getting like hearing rumors and all this stuff. And then the whole weekend was just, Friday through Sunday, just Prince tributes. And I saw Mavis Staples, who Prince had worked uh. with, sing uh, Purple Rain. I saw, you know, like, I watched a guy uh, shave the Prince insignia into his thick chest hair. Like, LCD sound system did controversy. Like, it was, but it, but it, we still, like, it, it breaks my heart, these acts that, you know, we don't get a, I don't even know where they, but just legends, just bumps. They're just legends. We just, and we don't even get, you know, that's why I'm saying, like, I want to see, you know, and then thinking about like, uh, what's the name of the guy? Blink One Eighty Two, the lead singer of that. Well, Mark Hoppus. Yeah, Mark yeah, Hoppus yeah. At stage four cancer, yeah. and it's like it, I start reconciling with my age. Well, that's what I'm like, well th- all of a sudden we're like, wait, twenty years went by. Wait, are you telling me twenty years went by? Like, I honestly like th- this is why it's so stupid that everything that my parents told me is true is that it all goes fast, it all goes by in a blink. But in the time, it goes so slow, and you don't care. And then all of a sudden, twenty years goes by, and Mark Hoppus has cancer all of a sudden, and you're like, "Yeah, well, he just was number ten on TRL last week," and you're like, yeah. "That was twenty years ago." That's twenty like, how years did all ago. This time stack up. It's scary. You know? It's scary. And it really collapsed on itself during a pandemic, sitting inside all day, watching the same shit, thinking about the same people. You know, I I I I wrote that essay about WandaVision because I was dealing with the losses of, of my pregnancies. And I kept thinking to myself, like, God, you know, <laughs> it would have I actually need to be thinking, thanking my lucky stars that I got to be at home and sit with my grief. Cause can you imagine like commuting back and forth to work, trying to ba- juggle meetings and this, that, and the other while dealing with something like that. Like in a lot of ways, I know people get like a lot of shit when they say stuff like this. I'm happy that we were inside to deal with and, and struggle with a lot of this bullshit, but man, I don't, Ryan, I don't know if the industry, speaking of the industry, I don't know if the industry can, can survive another year of this. I'm being completely honest. I don't know. I don't yeah. know that an industry can survive, you know, from a user standpoint. I don't know if we can take another year of just kind of getting dealt like the the worst hand of content we've ever seen in like mining stuff to be entertained. I don't know if the people that work in it, the essential workers who work in the industry can 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 deal and contend with much more bullshit and sort of like the little like you know pebbles of of work that they're getting and i don't think that iconography can continue 
There's, you know what I mean? Like the iconography. I mean, Ramona somewhat. Singer can't withstand uh, another year of this. I mean, I mean, no, but you're so right. And I don't, I mean, I know we got to start wrapping up and I don't want to, yeah. I, mean, I could talk yeah. to you for hours and hours. Oh yeah, I, I absolutely. Wanna, uh, hopefully you'll come on again. And, and this is a, a long friendship here, but um, uh, the last thing I just, in terms of what you do and strategy and things is that uh, Erica Jane, Jen Shaw, you know, they're, they're accused of crimes, innocent until proven guilty, whatever, but they also seem to have no problem engaging in idiotic behavior on social media. Yet somebody like Army Hammer has disappeared uh, for the most part, except they, you know, he, you know, maybe he went to rehab, maybe he didn't, uh, right. but he hasn't done any social media mm-hmm. and we've started to forget a little bit about Army, I think, but Erica and Jen, like, what would you like? Is is somebody not advising them? Like, why are oh. they managing to keep going with their, you know, social it's media? Just, presence? Is it's it just ego? Playing, no, no, it's odd. The odds are it's 50 50 chance they go to jail. Right. You know, somebody who was moving weight across with the Sinaloa across state lines and, 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 and borders, country borders. And she was given 15 years in the pen and she was able to plead down to like six months because it was like her first arrest. So it's odds, right? The odds are I'm probably going to do a little time or none at all. I'm probably going to have to pay my way out of this or I'm going to have to plead my way out of this. So why would I stop the bag on, you know, opportunities with photos, tweets, branded this, that, the other? Why would I stop that bag if the odds are in but you don't view it as they're screwing up their bag like almost like the baby with his comments or matt dame you're screwing up your bag you know i would never be on a reality show uh, my logical mind is saying deal with my case deal with that and focus on the that before i think about tweeting a single freaking thing but these people this is they've now they've gone over the dark side and when i say the dark side i mean like they've committed their life to a life of leisure via reality they can't give this up and they also believe look if the kardashians have in the Paris's of in the coals of the world have sort of built this this box in, in th- which they're all confined. You can go to jail. You can have a sex tape. You can do this. You can you can have an abortion. You can have this. They you've been able to do everything, and they got away scot free. Twenty years later, they're you know palling around with Cameron Diaz. Twenty years later, they've got a deal with YouTube. The long game for them. Now the difference, unfortunately, for both of these ladies, they're not young. They're not like spring chickens. They're mothers. They also are on their way into the 50s. So it's like, you really have to hope that this works out in your benefit or else you're just gonna be a broke lady that used to be on uh, reality television. You're gonna be like, what's the one that was on Real Housewives and is always adjacent to the drama, but never really on it anymore. Uh, Leanne Rimes married her husband. Oh, uh, uh, Brandy Glanville. Brandy Glanville. Like you're in that that, that weird wasteland of Brandy Glanvilleism where you just aren't, you're relevant because of it, but it's not like, you know, like Adrian Maloof doesn't need Real Housewives. If you mention it, she doesn't care, she, but she doesn't need it. Yeah. These two women need this shit. And the fact that if they lose this shit, if they don't get the, they're living in a dreamland, one, if they think that's how the legal system works. I was doing research this morning actually on Jen and uh, Erica. Uh, Erica, and I was looking at their cases and saying, this is a mess. Yeah. 
driving and maybe you had a little bit of coke on you. This is a whole ass federal case. This is a mess. Especially Jen's. I mean, Jen's is like all out there. I mean, you're 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 the top of that whole chain. Like there's no yeah. And the fact that she's on Instagram live, I'm just like, who's advising you at this who's point? Like who is advising you? You, they can't be stopped though. That's the thing. And the thing is with me, I'll be honest with you. And I've worked with a lot of clients who don't listen to me and it's, but it's not benefited them. Um, you can't stop people when they're in, uh, de- um, um, in desperation mode. Like, and that's where it is. They're just desperate. It's like spiral, spiral, spiral. It's so desperate and disparate rather. Like it, it there's, there's, they're trying to climb out of, like a whirlpool of shit. And they think that the fans are going to stick with them. It's not the same. And it's like, you know, Trump, Trump really gave people a sense of like, just be delusional as hell. They'll believe you. They won't say, believe nobody has to admit else. they're wrong anymore. Nobody has to tell no. them. Nobody like go down, go down swinging. You never have to admit fault. No. And you never, nobody ever has to say you're sorry. And I think no. that's such a weird time to be in, you know? Yeah. I just, I no principles. And I really, I, that's one of the reasons why I just find them to both, both of those two to be despicable. Cause it's not, it's just a level of lack of principle. Same thing with Kelly, Kelly Dodd, no principles, no morals, just no uncouth. And I also, I just, I honestly, I honestly don't think that needs to be in the franchise. I think there's a level of obnoxious and oblivion, obliviousness to things. Uh, but this is like irresponsible. Yeah. Maybe it starts to become real. It starts to become like, oh my god, like, are, is somebody going to murder somebody at some point? Like, yeah, it's, like, it's, it's weird. Um, well, Winter Mitchell, uh, this is exactly what I thought it would be, if not better. It is so exciting. Pop culture is just so exciting to talk about it. I love it so much. And you are just a genius at what you do. The Thank podcast, you. folks, is waiting to exhale. I will be putting all of the information on the show description. And, of course, I'm going to put her Twitter on there as well because that's just that's free content that is just good <laughs> 24-7. Is there anything else that we can support you at? Uh, you know, those are the two places I would love some support. And thank you, Ryan. This has been great. I really appreciate it. We have a Patreon if anybody enjoys. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. You know, sign up for our Patreon. And oh, and guys, like- we always tell you subscribe. And what I tell you hit five stars, even before listening to it. It is the, you know, it's the easiest thing that you can do for somebody because this is usually done for free. This is done, you know, to actually provide content and free content at that. So the easiest thing that you can do is rate that five stars. Uh, I always just think it does actually help in the long run, you know? Thank you, Ryan. You're the best. This was so fun. Yes. Thank you, man. I'm so, I'm going to go run around the block right now. I'm so hyped up, you know? (laughs) Me too. Let's do it. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Five, four, three. Betches.